we have been really working to try to position St. Louis as a, as a more welcoming community. And, and, and community here is important. How we build community around this effort. And the way that one of the most strategic changes that was made is that it's quickly realizing our shortcomings as one institute or one organization and realizing that we could bring together, we could create a coalition of organizations, collaborate with those organizations, leveraging the strength of those organizations to be able to position St. Louis as a more welcoming community. We've created, we're now working with over 80 different organizations in this effort. We have also created this command center that is working around the clock actually to respond to needs and challenges that arise with our new arrival. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast originates from and connects the Gateway City to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. One of the things in the St. Louis area that has been important for over a hundred years has been the International Institute of St. Louis, and they provide resettlement and integration services for immigrants. They have been headquartered in Tower Grove East for several years, and they provide have provided services for more than 6,000 foreign-born people from 80 countries using 1,000 volunteers, 90 staff members who offer English and citizenship classes, career path assistance, job placement counseling, and small business development. And recently, there has been, since I guess 2021 and our exit from Afghanistan, an influx of Afghan refugees and the settlement of them in St. Louis. And on the line, we have Ari Obenson, who's president and CEO of the International Institute. Ari, welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure for me to be back to to and a pleasure for me to to talk with you today. Now, are you has you had a plan to work with the Afghan refugees coming into the country? I'm not going to say there's been some hiccups, but there's been some uh, additions as of Wednesday, I believe, that you guys have been working on that you announced at a press conference. Let us know a little bit about how the initial plans maybe morphed, and uh, then you have been working on some other plans and lay those out for us, if you would. At the beginning of the year 2021, we knew that there was going to be an uptick in, in arrivals, but nobody had predicted the, the sudden collapse of the government in, in Kabul, Afghanistan, and that there would be an unprecedented, precipitated arrival of of Afghans into the United States and onto cities across the country, with St. Louis being one of them. So we had prepared ourselves for a capacity of receiving 1,500 immigrants or refugees for the entire year. With the Afghan arrivals, we, we adjusted our schedule to receive about 550. But what we didn't anticipate was the compressed time within which they were going to be coming. And we saw the months of October, November, and December really uh, an unprecedented period of, of arrival. In fact, in the month of November alone, we received 255 uh, Afghans with 100 and 
54 ending in just one week. Now, those numbers are significant in the sense that you see those numbers, you have to put them in housing. And because we were getting only 48 hours notice in most cases, we had to be put them in transitional housing whilst we work with community resources to identify apartments and, and, and prepare those apartments for them to, to be moved into. So the significant changes in our planning was really the transitional housing plan where we didn't anticipate that we're going to need that much of housing and how long the, some of the families are going to stay in this housing. For example, the families that are the cases that are one or two or three or four, it's pretty easy to move them around into one to two bedroom apartments. But when you be a case of 13, for example, which is the largest case that has arrived, or, or cases of 10 or, or 9, then it's hard to find apartment buildings that you can put them in, and you have to really look for homes, because we don't want to break up a family. You want to keep the family together. So those are some of the challenges that we face, and that we've been really thinking creatively about more than just resettling the Afghans that make it here. We have been really working to try to position Senlui as, as a more welcoming community. And, and, and community here is important, how we build community around this effort. And the way that one of the most strategic changes that was made is that it's quickly realizing our shortcomings as one institute or one organization and realizing that we could bring together, we could create a coalition of organizations, collaborate with those organizations, leveraging the strength of those organizations to be able to position St. Louis as a more welcoming community. We've created, we're now working with over 80 different organizations in this effort. We have also created this command center that is working around the clock actually to respond to needs and challenges that arise with our new arrivals. And to the extent that we never imagined that in the first 12 days of the year, we'll have four beds already, the Afghan families that have arrived. So it's a collaborative effort, and it's not just the International Institute, it's us, the Sandwich community. I think that's a great comment, that we have to be a welcoming community and building this community within our own larger community for uh, Afghan families. And... Some of the things that I want our listeners to understand is 538 Afghan refugees since January 1 of 2021. That's just a lot. And you mentioned 255 of those in November and 154 in one week. I've seen a lot of volunteers. They volunteered toiletry items, items for apartments, things like that. They've even donated money. But it's also, like you're saying, the logistics of, okay, now that we have these people, and we want to keep them together as families, how do we go about getting them housing, getting them jobs, getting them uh, uh, acclimated to our culture? Walk through some of the steps about cultural acclimation and when an Afghan refugee or a family comes in, walk us through that process of some of the things that they will be going through, if you would. Yes. Based on our, this collaborative that we put in place. And the first thing that happens with any arrival is arrivals at the airport. We've been working with the, even the city of St. Louis and St. Louis Airport to make sure that the arrivals are more welcoming. 
That's one thing that we're beginning to address. And then we work community volunteers to ensure that they support their survivors. So they are the airport to welcome the family. Because of the compre- the short notice that we're having, we are picking them up from the airport and we're taking them to hotels. And what we've decided to do is to prioritize hotels that have kitchens in them so that they can actually begin to feel at home. And so once you have an arrival and you're in a hotel that has a kitchen, what do you need to be able to, to feel more at home? You need resources, you need provision. And so we're working with volunteers that support families to go do their first grocery shopping so that they have, you know, food at home for their, their breakfast. But the very next day, we have what we call a 24-hour visit where we bring in, we, we start sharing the Afghan family with a community volunteer family. And that is the beginning of that cultural integration, so to speak, or an exposure to the cultures of our community. That family helps the understanding how to go grocery shopping. We've been working a lot with, with Schnucks Market in, in this regard. So they go grocery shopping and, and, and that's their first experience. But post that, after that visit, then our next thing is doing an intake with them. So that intake means we bring them over to the International Institute to really understand a lot more about them. What is their level of English? How many people are in the family? If their children, what level of education have they had? What is their academic qualification, skill set, talent that the individual or family has? Based on that assessment, then we have to, the next thing is we have to do a, a medical assessment as well. And we work with our local partners, the San Luis Community of Healthcare to, to be able to do that assessment. And all of that assessment leads us to develop the kind of programs that they need. This we're doing while they're still in hotels now, that no much circumstances they would be at home, but because of the current situation, we're doing it in transitional housing. At the same time, we're also, once we assess those needs, we start working with the secondary school district. If the children need to be integrated in school, the school district has been tremendously helpful in this effort because they've adapted to this transitional reality that we're facing at the time. We also, at the same time, after assessing the family, beginning to look for eminent housing for them, We've seen that it's averaging anywhere between three weeks to six weeks of hotel stay, depending on the size of the family. Once we find housing, we move them into housing because housing is crucial because they need an address to be able to get many things rolling. Then accessing some of the benefits that they could access. Without an address, it becomes complicated to even establish a social security number because that has to be tied to an address. So the, that's why housing is really an anchor to success. If you have roof over your head, then you can build other services or other activities around that. And so we're preparing that housing. And once housing is identified, we are sorted out with the landlords and test and uh, safety inspection has been done. We then move the families into that. But all of these things that I've told you, seem easy, but there's a huge logistical challenge that comes with that. And that's where having this large network of volunteers from a multi 
multiple organizations has been able to help us address that. Then the next thing is we need, based on our assessment, we look at the workforce. How can we integrate them into the workforce? And that largely depends on that. We've seen that whilst they're still in the hotels, many of them have started reading and preparing for their driver's license because that's also a gap. Because if you cannot transport yourself or if you do not understand the transport system, how do you get to work? So there's also an orientation that is done about how to use the public service. And as we find housing, we prioritize housing that has access to public transportation because that's what will be needed to get them from home to work when they eventually get work. And so we've already been placing some Afghans into uh, the workforce. We've already started English language classes for those that need English language classes and, and all that auxiliary support that we're providing at the, at the agency. That's really some of the work that is going on behind the scenes. And one of the things that you brought up in the interview that happened on Wednesday was the establishment of a community center. I'm just going to list some of these things and you can comment on them. An Afghan chamber of commerce, an Afghan newspaper. There was the purchasing of some iPads and the use of some indoor soccer fields for children for resettlement in the area. Talk about the importance of those individual kinds of things, because I think what the linkage was, St. Louis has probably the largest Bosnian population in the United States, and what lessons were learned from that that are being applied to those who are coming over from Afghanistan? Yeah. the So I spoke about community and the need for St. Louis to position itself as a more welcoming community. Mindful, because I know sometimes um, it's lost in the conversation that more than just resettlement, the International Institute really sets up the immigrant population to succeed. And by succeeding, the, the, it helps this community, San Luis community, become more prosperous. The more inclusive, the more welcoming we are, the more immigrants will come here and the more we become vibrant um, and successful as a community. So this, you know, this, and uh, we have this press conference on, on Wednesday, largely thanks to the collaboration that we've had with an attorney, uh, Jerry Schlichter, who, who has really been working with us in the last two months to understand our challenges and understand what the opportunities are. So the opportunity here with the announcement is that if we can build a community around this arrival, it is more likely that we can attract more Afghans who have gone to um, the east or west coast to look at the Midwest and to look at St. Louis as a more sustainable place for them to build their families. Because we also looked at what has been done in the past, the Bosnian community where the International Institute they have welcomed just about 1,000 of them, but that community grew to 25,000 because they found St. Louis to be a welcoming place for them. In the same breath, we're thinking that if we can address the short-term housing challenges that we're facing, and we can build a community for the Afghans that are arriving, then that can ignite a movement of Afghans all over the country to look at them as a place for them to move to, but it could also have the effect of attracting immigrants 
across the country as well to come to St. Louis. So what we are doing is it, it could, could trigger that kind of movement. And this series of things, if we have a housing stock, when we can send a week arrive out and move people into uh, permanent housing faster, the better. Secondly, if we can provide, we used to think iPads or computers or, or, tele, or smartphones were a luxury, but no more. They're, they're now a necessity. So empowering each family with an iPad actually gives them access to so many things, whether it's online, trading, com- so many things. And so we thought empowering them that. We also know that the Afghan community, it's, they, they are entrepreneurial in nature, and we thought that having this Afghan entrepreneurship program where we're going to be offering about $15,000 in seed money to about 10 Afghans who are going to start their businesses here in the community will be a good way to ignite or incentivize that entrepreneurial spirit. We're also starting the Afghan community that Chamber of Commerce because we know that there are five, six, seven, eight Afghan businesses that we already know in the city. Uh, maybe we can bring them together, support them, provide the tools and resources that can help those businesses grow and encourage more businesses to grow within this community. And several other things which to include, um, of course, the Afghan Community Center. So we're actually truly building a community around them. We also observed that the children who are staying down at the highest used to go play soccer under the edge at the edge grounds, but we thought, why, why not create an opportunity for these soccer love children to be part of this community by joining us at an indoor soccer club? Those we also thought starting an Afghan newspaper would be a good way for them to get plugged into the community to understand what's going on and not not be limited by the language barrier that they may have. So. These are some of the creative ways in which we're trying to build community. We know that building community is a data point that works, that if you can build a community, you're more likely to grow around that community. And so we want to have a vibrant Afghan community in this community, and the ripple effects are, are just unlimited. When you think of community within the St. Louis metropolitan area, you think, what does it take to to bring people together, to have them communicate with each other, especially if they are of the same, uh, from the same country and things like that. And I can see all of these things being very important, especially you know, the, the key to that, like you said, is the housing and getting them into some permanent type of housing. As I've listened to you talk about this and how people have come over, I, I, there's a question that kind of popped into my mind. What kind of vocations or training have you seen that individuals coming over from Afghanistan, what do they currently have, those business people? What kind of businesses are we talking about or skill sets that they have to enhance the greater St. Louis? So we're seeing a wide range. First of all, most of them serve as translators for the U.S. ministry. Doesn't mean that their education background was translation, though. They serve as translators, but I've seen that there is a huge opportunity in STEM. That's why one of the things that we have offered, which I didn't mention, was, was so when I say STEM, it, it, it's, it's basically in the science, sciences, that the science and technology, that, they, that we're seeing several of them having that background. 
We're also seeing a, a lot of background in, in things like accounting from the, the several that I would because the assessments are ongoing and I cannot draw a conclusion now, but a lot of them are either just graduated with business uh, degrees. I've seen a lot of that. So there's not one specific field that I can say where the opportunity lies. And what I've really noticed is that we're seeing a lot of people with, with science and technology background. And that, that is tremendous value for this community. It really is. That's a growing, continually growing area with that. And you mentioned about the current Afghan community and those businesses. What has been their response to your reaching out to them for assistance and kind of joining in the efforts to really make a larger Afghan community? It's been phenomenal. So the, we have an Afghan community here that's just slightly under a thousand. And, uh, and now that community is probably likely to double in size in the next two years or so, which means that's tremendous growth. But the, the African community as well, it must be, is not, it's not monolithic. It, it, Afghan, Afghanistan is made up different or at least the groups that are here who've identified about eight different groups. So it's a very diverse community as well. In the city, they have two mosques already, and they've also joined in efforts. We've worked with uh, the Afghan restaurant here to provide food where we're, we're finding. So that community has really been helpful in coming together and supporting their settlement efforts at various levels. And not as one group, but even as diverse as they are, they played a role when it's in providing meals for uh, this, when we had all of these people in hotels, yeah, that, that was really helpful because when you put people in hotels, you have to provide meals for them as well. The community has stepped up to that in that regard and it's very supportive. They've helped with supporting clothing drives and things like that. But that, I would say, it's how they have played a role, the joint, the effort. I'm like, really grateful for that. We have a few more questions and we're going to be uh, coming back after our break and our next segment, we have a, a couple more questions for Ari Obenson, who's the president and CEO of the International Institute of St. Louis. And folks, if you want to know more, you can go to IISTL.org, IISTL.org. And Ari, you've got some great resources on there, which I want to touch on. And then ask you also what people in the greater St. community can do to assist the efforts that you are working on. Okay. We've been talking to Ari Obenson, president and CEO of the International Institute of St. Louis. They have been dealing with a large resettlement group from Afghanistan. And when I think about that word resettlement, I think about what comes to my mind are people going across the United States in a covered wagon, resettling from one part of the country to another. I can't imagine, Ari, resettling from one country to another country where you may not know the language where you're just dropped off at a city, having to fend for yourself. But the beauty of the International Institute and all of the organizations that are working together with you are we're trying to, like you said, be a community and make more of a community. And having all these volunteers helping, it's just tremendously encouraging. I, I can't imagine coming off a plane and seeing no one. But when I see someone who is welcoming me and other people who are helping me find housing and getting acclimated, what a tremendous relief that would be. Oh, absolutely. These people, these Afghans, 
they are not going to forget the feeling that they have when they get support from a stranger, from people that they didn't know when the government claimed to come here. And I think that's what is going to bind them to this community. It's, it's how welcoming they feel. Those first impressions will last forever. And, and that's the, what we're, we're, we're trying by all means to, to position this community as really welcoming fascinating and something that we must overemphasize, we must highlight is the fact that this community has come together in ways that are unprecedented, that we have seen really people step up to, to, to this. We have seen individual organizations put aside the, this notion of competition and really focus on what is the outcome that we want here as a community. And, and that is the beauty of this moment. And that's a story that we have to keep telling. And that's the magic that we have to keep making happen in this community. And if we can do that, this community is going to grow and it's going to grow in a way that is very prosperous for every one of us. You have some very good resources available on your website. Folks, by the way, iistl.org. And I'm looking at one, which is istl.org slash SIV, which talks about new arrivals, refugees, and SIVs. And on there, you have a variety of resources, include the Afghan Resource Center, which takes you to the USA Hello. That's an app, or describe that a little bit, Ari, what that USA Hello. You know, this is not an effort that is only uh, being done in with the countrywide effort. And when the government collapsed in, uh, in Kabul, there were lots of uh, people across the country that came together to develop resources that can help these communities that were opening up their door to, to the Afghans. And SIV is actually the status that is given to those that it, it, it's called special immigrant visa. And that status is given to those that help the, our allies, those that help the U.S. military efforts in Afghanistan. And if you established, if you demonstrated that you served as a translator or driver or engineer or w- walking alongside the U.S. military, you were granted that status because staying in Afghanistan became dangerous because you became a target. And so we, this resources, this U.S. Hello was an app that just helped you find the resources that were necessary, one, ways in which you could support them, ways in which you could understand them, uh, ways in which you could find housing for them. It was put together by an organization called Welcome.us. And we're part of that network of organizations that are welcoming the Afghans. And so we try to share those resources with the communities so that the communities are ready uh, to make this effort successful. There's a landlord's guide, which I find very interesting on there, to refugee resettlement in St. Louis and gives some uh, requirements and uh, supportive services for landlords that the uh, International Institute is, is helping with. So if there's people who are listening who maybe have uh, some facilities that they could put to use for uh, resettlement, that's some information that uh, you can draw on on the website there. The other thing I thought were the fu- the funding of these things. How is funding being and revenue being generated for the Afghan resettlement? Funding, so 
the federal government has designated the budget, similar to the budget that is designated for refugees. Essentially, we are, we have for every individual that comes into St. Louis, we have uh, a designated amount of $1,225 that is designated for them an earmark for a 90-day period to be spent from anything from housing to whatever needs that they have. Now, if you look at that amount, you and I know that it's not going to go far when you look in terms of rent and all of that. So there is a funding gap. There's a funding gap that is established, especially for cases where it's an individual. The larger the family, the more access they, they have in terms of being able to to pay the rent. But then the larger the family, the more the cost is. So it's a, it's a balance. So we get that funding from federal government, but we've been really lucky and we're truly grateful that the community has stood up to help us reach that funding gap. But I also say to people that it is more than just the money that they get for 90 days. We also have a lot of wraparound services that help sustain the resettlement. And we have the community, we have something called the Tau Fund that anybody who goes to our website can contribute to that is specifically designated to to refugee resettlement. But we also have, we could just support the general efforts of the Institute because in this effort, we've had to ramp up our staffing, we've had to ramp up our logistical support uh, for the effort as well. Funding from the government is it's not enough. It's in total about about one third of what is really needed for the effort to be successful. And that's why we need on the support of the community. So when people donate items, when people donate items, those items offset the cost that could have spent. So instead of using the $1,200 to go furnish the house, when we have furniture, that money and can be invested a lot more in what I call the anchor of resettlement, which is housing. So that's how we are able to manage this. And, and you spoke about how you know, the call out to landlords, because that's really important that landlords have to realize that these are people who are coming, who have no rental history, who have no credit history. And so the only guarantees that we have that they're going to pay your rent after three months of the International Institute and the amount of resources that we can raise to sustain behind well, more than that. But we know that within three months, we try to get them into the workforce and, and we've seen over a period of time that they pick up their rent after that three month period. The efforts that we're leading now is trying to guarantee those rents for at least a year and that we more landlords can open up their housing for that. Funding comes from the federal government, but we've had a lot of support from local foundations and from individuals in this community who are helping us be be successful in this effort. Last question for you, because I know your time has been very valuable and we greatly value your time. What can people do in the larger, greater St. Louis community to assist this? Thank you very much for that question. And I would say there are three big things that I would call on the community to do. The first one, obviously, is that we, we never have enough financial resources 
to do this. And I know that if we don't ask, people will, may not necessarily see the need to support. So I'm asking, we have an opportunity here to really position Sandwich as a welcoming community and an opportunity to grow this community, but it would take resources. So if anybody would love, we're asking for people to reach out and, and contribute or support our efforts. There are several ways that you can, you could support. You could become a sustaining member of the Institute by joining our neighborhood of nations program, where you become a, a month donor to the Institute. You could pick up one of the efforts, whether you want to invest your money in housing or, or resettlement and support us, or just support the general effort of the Institute. That's one. Secondly, we need volunteers to step up, right? We need, because we, our caseworkers alone cannot do this work. The community can do this work. So we're, we're looking to pair volunteer families with Afghan families. And then there is an opportunity. If you go to um, our website, IIFPL slash volunteer, you should be able to, to sign up. There are opportunities for one of so periodic volunteering. So if you want to sign up for just how set up, you can do that. If you want to sign up to provide provisions for families to take them groceries, but all of those are listed on our website. But you can also join our community support program where the community support program is really going to accelerate faster integration and, and self-sufficiency for the Afghan family. That's a bigger program that's going to be where you will be committing to a three-month or six-month period of time to support those families. And then thirdly, the third area in which uh, we can, we're looking for people who can be, work with us on long-term planning for, the, for this community in terms of making it even welcoming. And that's something that we're going to develop and put out to the community. But uh, we announced the creation of a task force that's going to come up with a really elaborate plan about how we can make sandwich more welcoming. And I would say people should stay tuned for that. That sounds wonderful. I appreciate that. And Ari, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I applaud your work at the Institute and what you are doing for the community in St. Louis and for the new community that we are welcoming from Afghanistan. Thanks for coming on the show. It's uh, always a pleasure. And let's uh, keep in touch to let individuals out there in the greater St. Louis community know the progress of these things and how they can continue to help. Okay. Thank you very much, Arnold. Really appreciate it. It's a pleasure for me to be here and hopefully. Sounds great. Thank you, Ari. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Folks, what I find is that it's difficult living in this country when you're a native, when you're an American, when you're born here, and you think you have struggles to get through life on a daily basis. And I, I know there are struggles with, with individuals and with families, and we hear about those all the time. We see those things many times, many times homeless, many times individuals who are in poverty, who struggle with making ends meet, who maybe don't have the right kind of skill set or education to continue. And you juxtapose that against people who come over from another country who maybe do have some skills and education. Maybe they don't, they don't have the language. Maybe they do have English. Maybe it's just a spoken ability and it's not written. But I do know this, is that people are people and people in need, what are we doing to assist? What are we doing to help 
make life a little bit, not easier for them, but a little more focused to allow them to become productive in our society. Everyone wants to feel value. Everyone wants to know that they are contributing to a greater good. And when he spoke about the community, and he mentioned this not only in this interview, but we had a previous interview with him, which I encourage you to go back and listen to, but he talked about how do we build a welcoming community? What is that? And in this particular interview, he talked about there are 80 organizations working together to help Afghan refugees find their own community here within the greater St. Louis community. And I guess I would put this out there. You look at groups and pockets of people, like in the St. Louis area, you look down like in the Bevo Mill area, there's a large population of Bosnians. And I remember back in reading history about St. Louis, there was a grouping of Italians. We even talk about the Hill right now. You even, you talk about, there was a grouping of Irish immigrants at the time and German immigrants, i.e. Dutchtown, which was actually Deutschtown, but it was mispronounced. So you see how this over the course of history has happened here within the, the St. Louis area. How welcoming are we not only to our own current residents, but how welcoming are we to those who come from another country? Just thoughts to think about. I know sometimes there is pushback from people like, well, if we were investing this money with people who are in poverty right now, where would we be with the poverty situation? I'm not getting into that particular discussion. I'm just putting out there, how welcoming are you individually or is your family or is your neighborhood to people within your neighborhood or to those who are outside your neighborhood or to those who are outside the country? So think about it. Just some food for thought. I want to thank Ari Obenson again, who is president and CEO of the International Institute for coming on. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out our website, stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.